This week on the Reach Podcast. But if there is a God and he's good, why would he do all these things to me? I just think it's important in evangelism is understanding how God made you. This isn't somebody who's thought about this and it hasn't happened to them. This has happened to them. That's all we have is relationship. Welcome to the Reach Podcast, where you can learn to share Jesus. I'm your host, Blaine Larson, and today I'm talking with David Morgan. David is on our staff in Dallas, Texas. We're here to talk today uh, about a conversation that you've had yeah. recently. We're giving people, uh, you know, behind the scenes conversations that y'all are having every day with people who you're running with who maybe don't believe in Jesus and they're on a, a, a path and they're exploring, they've got questions. And so uh, set this up. Uh, what's the conversation we're talking about? Yeah, the conversation is with a dear family friend, and really it's with her daughter. Okay. Her daughter is a freshman in college and really, really bright, always has been, really creative. Um, and being candid, she would describe herself, I've heard her say these words, as a bisexual atheist. So that's where she comes from. And um, the conversation that was really interesting, um, our friend, her mother, had uh, kind of out of the blue about two years ago got um, – had cancer. And it was a spot kind of behind her ear. And, you know, she said, I knew it was there. And then COVID, and I didn't go to the doctor. And then finally I go, and they say, we think it's nothing. Next day, get in here immediately. It's something. From there, as they're doing PET scans and such, uh, her mother, uh, they find out that she has a brain tumor also, which was benign and came out just fine. But that was traumatic for a senior in high school, obviously. Yeah. Subsequently, um, six months later, her dad uh, has some stomach issues and goes in to get him checked. Turned out he had liver cancer and died uh, three months later. Oh, my goodness. Very hard. Wow. And her, the conversation revolved around, because as we're checking in and checking with her mother as well, um, uh, revolved around the idea. She said, I just can't believe that if there is a God he would have to be good or he wouldn't be a God I'd want to follow. But if there is a God and he's good, why would he do all these things to me? Especially my dad, because my dad was a good man and he didn't do anything wrong. And so therefore I don't believe in this whole God thing. And that was the conversation. That was, that was the start of the conversation. Okay. So, and where are you when you're having this their conversation? House. Right there. You're at their house. Mm-hmm. Is it, how does the conversation get going? Is it planned that you're coming over to talk about this? Uh, it just happened. You know what? That's a good question. I would say it was not necessarily um, totally planned, but it is, these are the lenses that I try and live my life with. And so I know I'm going into this. I, I've been told by her mother how she feels about these things. And, so I was hopeful that the conver- that I got ha- would have a chance to kind of work the conversation that way. And so, and is mom a believer? Mom is a believer, and but it's interesting. How about that? I I don't know if this is official language, but I would say I think her mother's a believer, but I also think her mother has what I've come to call a little bit more than a little bit of barstool theology. Meaning, I'm going to take some. I'm going to take a little bit of stuff. Most of her stuff doesn't come from other world views. It comes from a Christian worldview, her theology. Sure. But then she'll mix in cultural norms, 
uh, ways she's figured out how to navigate life. And so to say it's rock solid would be not the truth either. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, in a loving way to her daughter, her daughter, knowing she's a believer, said, well, I'm sure if I bring a woman home from um, college that you'll hate me. And she said, no, I won't hate you. I just want you to be happy and I want you to be that. Let, and that's actually another conversation I had with her mother. Because I said, hey, she said that went down that line. I just want you to be happy. I want you to be someone who loves you, who you love, kind of norm, cultural norm, theology. And I said, that's, I get that. That's probably, there's a lot of sweetness in that answer. But if she said she wanted to eat five cheeseburgers a day, every day for every meal, would you support that decision? She goes, no, it's, it's, well, I said, well, why not? She said, well, that'd be terrible for her. I'm like, so there are some decisions she could make that she might say, I get it, but that's not a good decision. That's not a healthy decision. That's not the best decision yeah. that you could make. So that's kind of the genesis of the whole thing. And so mom tells me these things. And so I just went in with the idea that I was going to check on her and see how she's doing because she has had a lot of trauma and those are really hard things. And I wanted to know that I loved her and cared for her, but I also wanted to know what thoughts she might have. How's this changed or uh, impacted her view of God in the last several months. And before we pick up where the conversation starts there, I want everybody to just realize, you know, the power of relationships here, because in order to share our faith and, and get to the gospel, uh, we've got to have relationship most of the time. And, uh, you know, you're being invited into a very sensitive situation sure. and people who you love and who love you, obviously, and who want you there. And that's uh, that's investment of time in, in sure. that relationship to be able to have the opportunity to have the conversation we're going to talk Can about. Can I riff on that for just a second? Yeah. Comment? I, I had a friend who went to a college deal first year at A&M and they said, put right down on a piece of paper what you think the most important word in the world is. What's the most important thing to make your world successful? And he said about the third one he came to, they were sharing with each other and it just said relationships. And he thought that was stupid, but the more he thought about the thing, he goes, there's no question. That's the most important thing in life is relationships, ultimately with God. But that's all we have is relationship. That's it. That's it. So, uh, all right. So pick up the story. So y'all are at the uh, kitchen table or uh, sitting out back or in the backyard. Back, back patio. Yeah. Okay. And you, you're, you, get in, you get this question, evil, suffering, how can God do this? Interesting way of putting it. Uh, that's a heavy topic to Very. come up. So yeah, I'm a, I'm And a, it's personal. It's personal, yeah. yeah. It's emotional. We're not talking about in theory here, right? This isn't somebody who's thought about this and it hasn't happened to them. This has happened to them. Yes. So how do you get there? So you're sitting back there. I mean, is there, there's small talk, chit-chat. You bring it up? I do bring it up. I said, hey, how are you doing? And then tried to turn the corner and goes, well, how has this, you know, and I always lead all the time in, in conversations. Well, first of all, I think you have to lead, especially in the in deals the topic of evil and suffering, um, which, as we know, is a problematic topic for every world religion. That Christianity isn't the only one that that's a difficult topic for. Empathy is the number one thing that I can show her at that to start, especially is to say, I am so sorry this has happened. Um, I can't imagine going through that much loss and then leaving the house in the, the upcoming month or two. Um, Dad misses graduation, dad misses graduation party, dad misses going to freshman orientation, dad, all the things, you know, that you would expect your father to be at uh, when you're 17, 18 years old. And so just showing some empathy towards that, I think was the 
primary thing I, I felt like I needed to do. But then I also wanted to turn the conversation. So I said, how, I know that we've had conversations about life and God before, but how has this particular thing impacted your view of God, who he is, what he's about, what you think about him? How's that happened? What has that done for you? And that's when she went into the commentary of, I just don't know how a good God could ever do these kinds of things to my father, my mother, first of all, who's wonderful, but my father, who was a good man and did nothing wrong. I don't understand how that could happen. And there actually be a case for that there is a God. So how did you reply? I said, again, hey, we don't have to talk about this if you don't want to, but I want to ask you some more questions about that. Can I? And she said, yes. And I said, so let's talk about your dad being a good man. Like, what does that mean to you? And she went in and started talking about the nice things he had done, the way he provided, how he was kind to people. He had friends that respected him. And then went on to say, how do you think God, if there is one, for now we're going to have to pretend in your mind that there is one, how do you think God viewed all that good stuff that your father did and that you claim he did? And she just went into it like anybody would, you know, of, well, I don't think there is one because it couldn't be, but let's pretend there is one. I would think he was happy with the fact that I would think he would want good things to happen to my dad because he was such a good man. And... We went into the definition of what does it mean to be good? I mean, the classic question uh, that was asked in Scripture, you know, what is good? Tell me what good is. And, I mean, that's a hard topic because I'm talking about someone's dad and maybe never came up. But I could understand if maybe in the back of her mind she thought, this guy thinks my dad's going in hell right now if, if, if what he's saying is true. And because her dad was a pretty secular man. I want to okay hit pause, pause on the conversation because I want to take a detour because yeah. this reminds me of something. I want your your thoughts on it. Um, so for those who don't know you, which is probably most people listening, you're lucky. You <laughs> you're other unlucky. You're a great guy. <laughs> you're a great. Guy. You're a good guy. Thank you're you. Great. I was going to say, what does great mean, Blake? No, but uh, so this is this is a an observation and a serious question uh, for real. Uh, for those who don't know you, uh, you're you're a pretty direct communicator. That's how God made you. You're you're pretty intense and you're pretty direct, um, and more than more than most, you Probably know. But so. but you mean well. But it's but you're very comfortable, and and that's just how you you are. So for you to ask a question like that for you to to her mm-hmm. is really no big deal because that's just how you are all the time. You, you're. Uh, does that make sense? It makes total sense. Um, I would say, especially in light of the purpose of this podcast, is to for people to feel more comfortable sharing their faith, correct, overall? Well, yeah, because I was getting to the question. Okay, yes, go to ahead. Go, you go ahead. That, what, what I'm getting at is I feel like a key thing that all of us need to uh, – I just think it's important in evangelism is understanding how God made you. So – you got to kind of lean into your your hardwiring. This particular line of questioning works for David Morgan in that situation for all kinds of reasons. Doesn't mean you go carbon copy it. It's going to work for you, but you being you with your friends will work Correct. at least better than you trying to be somebody else. I don't know how to do that anyway. For one, I mean that's a serious response to that. Is I only know who I am. But having said that. An interesting thought that you brought up for me in this is 
I have had to learn that I need to soften, that the way I'm received by people can feel like I'm kind of melting your face off sometimes. I get that. And I didn't get it for a very long time. And and so just being candid, um, for me to be empathetic is not necessarily a natural thing for me and because I just want to get to the heart of the conversation. Let's just talk about the thing. But I've learned that that's a key that opens the door, honestly, for most people is to soften my approach a little bit, listen more. Um, it's one of the things I've learned in search that I feel like is the most valuable of those kinds of things, of creative place, a safe place for her to completely disagree with me and me still love her. And she knows that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I know that that's probably why she's comfortable having these conversations and interacting on a difficult question because mm-hmm. she knows you care about her. Yeah. So, all right, back to the conversation. Unpause. Um, <laughs> you're talking about what it means to be good. What happens from there? We talked about that for kind of a long time. We talked about what does it mean to be good in God's eyes? What does it mean to be good in your eyes? What, is he, what do you think it meant in your dad's eyes? And then, I mean, kind of the turning point for that is you got to get to a point to where, I mean, it can lead to all kinds of places. And one of the places it kind of led to was, you know, what do you think the truth is? Like, where do you get your truth? How do you figure out what that, how, how do I even navigate this idea that my dad's good therefore bad things happen, so there can't be a God. Like, how do you even get to that spot? How did you determine there's not a God? We talked about the idea of what is the measuring stick according to the scripture. And I just, that that led me down a road of talking about why I think the Bible is true north for me and true north for everyone, but I, I know it is for me as well. And that's where my thinking, my philosophy, my theology all has to come from is through the lens of scripture. And, um, that was a great part of the conversation. Uh, How did she respond to that? She wasn't buying what I was selling right there so much. You know, it got into a pretty quick, um, hyper intellectual 18 year old who is very smart. Um, but, Oh, it may be true for you, but it's not true for me. It came out of her mouth at one point, and it just led to lots of kind of little side conversation. And I go into these conversations, this one, all of them, with with folks who aren't believers, folks who are but are really new in their faith, of knowing this is going to be a process. Like this is not—I don't—I did not enter that conversation expecting to, in quotes, win her over. Um, but I wanted her to know that when I see her again, and I will, that— um, I'm not going to be afraid to pick the conversation up. And I asked her permission. I said, can we continue talking about this? And she said, I'd love to talk about it with you some more, which is great. Um, And so we just kind of went down. It was just a, it was a multifaceted conversation that kind of went all over the map, but was able to put some things. Have you considered how you determine what truth is? And, And is there a chance that maybe the Bible might have some truth for you? Maybe. And is there a chance, classic search ministry analogy that I, I did go with the, is it possible this circle, this circles all the knowledge ever that anyone's ever had, what part of that do you think you have at 17 years old? And it wasn't a very big slice of the pie, which is good. And I'm like, well, is it just possible that maybe in all that other knowledge that you just said yourself you don't have, there could be a place where God exists? And if God exists, maybe it's the God of the Bible that we're talking about. Is that possible? And she was like, 
It's possible. I still don't believe it, but I guess I have to say it is possible. I counted that as a massive win, by the way. That uh, that was probably my biggest, in my mind, win takeaway is that, okay, we have grounds for more conversation, which I will see her in two more weeks. And, uh, no, three, three more weeks when she comes home from college for the first time. And so we'll be able to keep the conversation going that way. Do you feel like... She well, what what barrier do you think she has to face? We typically tend to talk about three mm-hmm. major ones: uh, emotional, intellectual, spiritual. What's her barrier? I kind of think she has all three at different levels. I thought about that too. I, I because again, as you're trying to figure out what the best way to talk about these things is with somebody, I'm trying to think what is it that she would have against it all. I think she has. Um, an emotional barrier. She had an abusive boyfriend at one point in high school who I think, I think, from my understanding, claimed to be Christian and, and may have been, may very well have been. And that became an emotional barrier for her. I think she's relies, if she's honest, and she didn't say this, I think if I said, in your life, what is the God of your life? And I'm thinking that's maybe where I go in part of the next conversation. I think she would probably say her own intelligence common known things. So basically Google. Um, And for most people, 17, 18, Google becomes their Bible. I mean, and then what they know, and I'll be real interested to see um, how her thinking may have changed um, after a a half a semester of college, because we all know that's pretty formative and and I bet it has. It's very formative. Uh, And you guys covered a lot of big things. I don't know how typical it is that you cover Evil and suffering, Bible, truth, all in one conversation. That's yeah, uh, that's it was a, a lot. lot. But again, you you said the key word. When you have a relationship with someone, um, it can be a more free free flowing conversation. And she, I try to do this too, Blaine, and I did it with her. I just try my very best to have no agenda with people, especially people who I'm trying to minister to in some way. Obviously, everyone has an agenda almost all the time, but I really try and show up at stuff where there's really nothing in it for me other than the relationship. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the, so I Like think, showing up at her high school graduation, going, my wife and, and myself going with her mother to college orientation because she didn't have a dad to go with, those kind of things. Which is great. And that's a great example because when we talk about relational evangelism, I feel like one of the things that we've got to understand, everybody's got to really understand that word relational. Like, what do we mean by relational? Mm -hmm. And uh, tell me, this has been my definition. This is just Blaine's personal definition of relational evangelism. But relational especially is I'm friends with you because I like you and love you regardless of what you do with Jesus. Yes. That's a a real relationship. Absolutely. That's not – uh, uh, anything different. It's, there's no agenda behind it. I mean, obviously, there. I want my friends and family to know Jesus, uh, but I will love them and hang out and do all the things and be their friend regardless of what they do. And, and getting away a little bit, and we can go back to the conversation, but getting away a little bit from it, um, I just think people need to realize there's always going to be a cost associated for me when I do this. Like, it's going to cost me time, talent, and treasure every single time. I am doing jujitsu with a guy who I meet with regularly because that's his thing. I don't candidly like it very much and I'm terrible at it, but um, I do it to be with him. And then uh, now I'm with not just him, but three of his friends. And so I get to have conversations that mean something because it's partly because I was willing to go do some of those things. Yeah. 
100%. So uh, how do you get out of a conversation like that? That's what was going through my mind. So if everybody's listening, they go, okay, these are deep things, big questions. How do you land the plane? You know, it it helps if she knows, in this case she does, I'm not going anywhere. I've been there before. I'll, I'm there now. I'm going to see you again. So it's not as hard to go when she ends it at some point after lots of conversation, probably lasted an hour and a half. Um, we're just going to have to agree to disagree on this right now. Yeah. And I, my comment there was, I like the, the, the thing that I like the most you said is right now, because as long as we can keep talking, I'm really, really interested in your perspective on these things, how you got to this way of thinking, how it's going to affect the way you think later on with all your other relationships. And yeah. so she knows that. So it made it a little bit easier for sure. Uh, all right. So like to ask this question, if there's one thing that you could take away from this particular conversation for everybody listening. One thing, here's a a lesson, an example, a don't do, a do this. What would you want everybody listening to take away? I've got a, can I have a few answers on that? <laughs> sure. Sure. Run yeah. Okay. No, we're good. We're good. Uh, I would say when it's going to be a really hard conversation, and you're right, I do have those a lot. Um, or what I anticipate to be a hard conversation. I just ask permission. I say, can I ask you this? Do you mind? And I'll even, if I feel that they're uncomfortable, I'm like, you don't have to answer. I'm just, but if you, I would love for you to. So I ask permission um, and I do it with, I try my very best to do it with empathy. But I think the key thing is I have had to, for a long time now, just consciously look for opportunities to turn a normal conversation into an extraordinary one where we're talking about life's big questions. And and those, for me, always revolve around Jesus and, and who he is and what he claimed to be. And so I'm always listening for someone who would say, I was something like, I was really blessed. Or even the idea that he said, she said, he was a good man. That's I know I know where I want that conversation to go. What do you mean? Yeah. What is good? Who's good? How? Who decides? What's the scale? Are you good? Am I? You know all those things. So that's I would say looking for opportunities and asking permission, doing it with some humility. That's yeah. kind of the way I look at that. Well, uh, great insights, Thanks. seriously, and thank you for being willing to share this conversation with us. I think uh, I think it's been awesome. It's well, been really, really helpful and insightful. So uh, thanks for being here. You're welcome, David. Lane. Thanks for listening, and uh, come back next time. Listen to us here on the Reach Podcast. <laughs>